It's time for This Week in the Big East, a comprehensive look at the teams, coaches, players, and the story tradition of the Big East Conference. Here are your hosts, longtime conference play-by-play announcer John Rook and Big East author and sports writer Kevin McNamara. Welcome to This Week in the Big East. It is now week six for 2023 in our weekly look at the teams, coaches, players, and stories from the schools in the Big East Conference. John Rook with Kevin McNamara, and here is where we stand. Pretty much where we stood, Kev, a week ago. Xavier continues to set the pace in the conference with four weeks to play until the Big East Tournament, but only one full game separates the top four teams in the conference standings from first place. So the Musketeers hardly have much more than a foot in the door to the trophy room. Xavier also won two games this week without the injured Zach Fremantle in their lineup. So, hey, that's a good first step for them anyway. No question. Uh, Xavier is playing like one of the best teams in the country, John. Uh, but all of these teams, all of these top four teams anyways, certainly have a chance at the Big East regular season uh, title. They play each other a lot, John. And as we've seen, uh, these crossover games, especially these crossover road games, are a real issue, and I know you're going to get to that in just a bit. All right, so home court advantage is still strong for these contenders at this point. A 50-3 and combined home record for Xavier, Marquette, Providence, and Creighton, including 8-0 and against each other at home. But for the stretch run, well, someone is going to pull off a big road dub, and just when and where that might occur could tip the championship scales, maybe, Kevin, in their direction just a little bit. Hey, John, 50 and three is big time, but you know what's even better? Those top four teams, Xavier Marquette, Providence and Creighton, they're 26 and 0 at home in Big East play. That, that, that jumps off the page at me. And, you know, again, there's opportunities. There's opportunities, uh, to upset the apple cart there. Well, starting this weekend and then certainly next week, we'll go back and forth here. Sure. Which team do you think protects their home court the best uh, among those four? Well, great question. Uh, my guess, at least it, right off the bat, it'd be the team that might have the easiest schedule in this stretch run. And if you look at it, it's Marquette, uh, because they've got a six day off period uh, in this stretch run as these, you know, four contenders start playing against each other. And Providence might not have that opportunity because Providence has of the four has the tougher schedule of the four down the stretch. I, I would agree with that, John. I think Providence does have the toughest. Uh, down the stretch, although they only have three road games, uh, as does Marquette, Creighton with four road games, Xavier with four road games. And Xavier, you know, we'll talk about them. They're at the very top among their road games, Marquette and Providence, two real, real stiff ones. All right, let's hit this week's highlights in our Big East headlines. Can't diminish the play of UConn or Seton Hall here either, with those two teams lurking just behind the top four in the league. But the Huskies may be coming back together at the right moment after reaching the top 25 polls as number two in the nation earlier this season. UConn has three straight wins heading into Omaha this weekend. Got a second triple-double performance this season from Tristan Newton in a win over Marquette. And get this, he's the first Husky in a long line of great ones to get two triple-doubles in the same year. Seton Hall had also won three straight to get back into the postseason conversation before losing to Creighton this week. Plenty of opportunity remains for the Pirates, however, playing at Villanova, home against Georgetown, and at UConn over the next week. Creighton's win streak has reached seven games after winning at Seton Hall. The Blue Jays are 10-2 and two since Ryan Kochbrenner returned to the lineup from an illness. UConn and at Providence await the Jays in the next few days. Marquette had a five-game win streak stopped with their loss this week at UConn. 
And after playing Georgetown this weekend, the upper crust of the league is bound to crack somewhere as the Golden Eagles will get Marquette in Milwaukee this week. At midweek, five Big East teams were ranked at the top 39 of the net, eight teams in the top 100. In the Ken Palm metric, five in the top 29, eight are in the top 89. In the media vote, five Big East teams reached the top 25 AP and USA Today coaches polls this week for the first time this season. Marquette reaching the top 10, followed by Xavier, Providence, UConn, and Creighton's return to the rankings. Kevin, what are we thinking at this stage of the game of the season? It appears we're kind of right at that time where someone could separate themselves from the pack a bit, or we might end up with a bottleneck at the top of this thing that's not going to sort itself out until next month. Yeah, John, I want to talk about two teams. So first of all, I, I do think it'll be a bottleneck right to the end, but there's one outlier, and that's Connecticut. They, they have six losses in the league. I, I, that's not going to be – that's too many to win this Big East regular season title, but no one's going to want to deal – with the Huskies, as they showed in their impressive win over Marquette. Their stretch coming up is big time. At Creighton, at Seton Hall, and Providence at home. That's going to tell us an awful lot about the Huskies. And you mentioned Creighton, you know, good for the top 25 voters to finally figure out that uh, the Jays are pretty good. They belong. Yeah, and I think they're playing the best among every team in the Big East right now. We'll see if they can carry that out, and certainly a major test on Saturday against Connecticut. The winning streak still alive for the time being. Thank you to our Westwood One affiliate stations for being with us. Thank you for catching us on Sirius XM. And if you're listening on your favorite podcast site, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and give us a review. For more on the podcast, you can always visit us, www.twitby.buzzsprout.com. And if you're looking for the show online, you can listen to it at westwoodonesports.com and on bigeast.com. Inside episode six this week, sometimes things don't go as originally planned, but that doesn't mean the effort stops. When expectation meets reality and the return might fall a little short of original goals, St. John's Mike Anderson joins us to provide some insight into his current Red Storm team. Our national perspective this week comes from the one and only Andy Katz, who thinks there could be a few surprises in store maybe for the stretch run. And if you're looking for an impactful transfer in college basketball, you may not need to go any further than Cincinnati, Ohio, where Sule Boom has his team thinking title. Boom goes the dynamite next. This week in the Big East. Coming up this week in the Big East Spotlight. Big East Spotlight. The problem is you can't foul this man because he's almost a 90% foul shooter. This is where Xavier cuts you up with the execution and the points. Boom. Nails a three. What a performance. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. He's got a great name for sports and a great game for basketball, for sure. He's also got on-court skills that have helped to elevate the Xavier Musketeers into a position where they are competing for a Big East championship. Deal it, drive it, shoot it, defend it. Xavier Sule Boom is on the ball, and he joins us this week in the Big East. Sule, when you made your decision to join your team, what was it that stood out to you about Xavier where you might have thought, hmm, I can help make this team better? Um, uh, I, Obviously, they had a new coach coming in. Um, he was, He's been here before. Um, I was very, very familiar with him and what he's done over his the course of his career, and um, I wanted to play for him. Um, I knew the team that the, that was returning was a, a a very talented team, and I knew they was just missing missing a piece at the point guard position. So 
I feel like it was it was a perfect match for me, and it. Um, I feel like this year has been has been showing that not only for me but for the university. So it's been working for both ends. I would say. Yeah, Susule, with how well you played at UTEP, I think everyone around the country knew that you're one of the better impact guards out there. What was there a connection to Coach Miller, uh, maybe through a previous recruiting or, or an assistant coach, or are you that into hoops where where you knew that Xavier was? Was a team that was maybe a piece or two away? Uh, yeah, no, nah, I wasn't uh, recruited uh, by him out of high school, but I played against him like two years ago. Uh, UTEP, we played against Arizona. I, f- I feel like that's where it, he got a chance to see me up close and personal. I know like a couple kids that he that he's coached, um, so I know that I know that he was a coach that really really scouted me and played against me and saw me up close and personal. It just wasn't a coach that just watched my film, my synergy and stuff, saw my stats and what I did at UTEP. So I knew coming with the, what he was saying uh, hit harder and was more meaningful to me and all the assistant coaches as well. And it's just been a good situation for me overall. Shulay, I might've been the only guy outside of Cincinnati that kind of knew where you were coming from because I have relatives in El Paso who are season ticket holders at UTEP and they Uh, told me, Hey, you better watch out for this guy, Sule Boom at Xavier. He can play. So your <laughs> reputation did precede yourself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nah, yeah. El Paso, I, lo- I loved El Paso. Um, I had a great time there. Um, I, I just, I love the city. I love playing there. I love the people. I loved everything about it. So I, I enjoyed my time at El- in El Paso for sure. Hey, uh, Sule, uh, Sule began his career on the West Coast Conference at the uh, University of San Francisco right. uh, as, as an Oakland native. So, John, right there. Uh, yeah. Sule, now your third conference. You, you haven't visited every Big East city, but w- what is your impressions of the Big East? How do you compare it and contrast to the other two? I mean, the Big East, I say, is the best of the best for sure. Um, each and every night, um, it's, it's a fight. It's a war. Um, it's just amazing cities that I've never really been to. That's really the 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 unique part about all this because growing up on the west coast growing up in the bay area i never really been on this side of the country so going to going to new york going to dc washington um all these places milwaukee nebraska all these places i never i never been i never been so that's been the that's been the fun fun part for me um just seeing all these different cities and 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 places that i never been to and just the just the talent each and every night um I mean, top to bottom, you plan to get some amazing players, great coaches. We're in great venues. It's just, it's just a battle, man. Each and every night, and um, I'm not, t- I haven't take, haven't taken none of these games for granted, and I'm, I'm just cherishing even, even these last seven that that is that is coming down to. I'm just cherishing all of them. I'll wager you've never been as cold as you are this season. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm not gonna miss about <laughs> about 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 this side, this side of the country at all, because um, it's just. It's not as much sun. It's not as much California breeze for sure. So let's 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 talk about your teammates for a couple of moments because you know clearly you guys had a lot of pieces to the puzzle coming in, and then they add you to the mix, and you're providing a dimension that they probably were missing. Now they've had some really good guards at Xavier in the past years, but you're kind of filling a role. What did Coach Miller and the coaching staff, and what did your teammates tell you when they saw you could play? What did they tell you they wanted from you specifically? I mean, my teammates uh, when they saw me play, they. They didn't really say much. I mean, I felt like they they knew I was a uh, I could be a contributor to the team. So, I mean, we we all instill confidence in each other and just tell each other to go out there and play our game, do what we do, and just play within the team. Do 
just try to be the best player we can be. We all share that amongst each other. And uh, my coaches as well, they do the same thing. Um, knowing I was going to be a lead guard of the team, they wanted me to be out there, push the pace, get guys involved, and just just play my game as well, you know. Um, so I feel like me being on this stage is just showing showing all the facets to my game and just you know, everything. I have great teammates and great coaches that you mentioned lead guard, uh, or so I'm wondering how you handle going between the role of lead guard or point guard and shooting guard and how easy or how difficult is it for you to make that transition? I mean, that's what the game is today. I feel like that's what the game has changed and come come to guys guys that can score. The game is about scoring. I mean, people as much as people want to say this and that, the game is about putting points on the board. I mean I mean, if you if you're not really scoring and making baskets, it's not. I wouldn't say you have you wouldn't have as much of a significance, but that's a key part of the game today. So I mean, I feel like I always I feel like I always was a natural scorer playing my whole life. It's just I feel like I just was never put at, in that position to um to be a lead guard um in the other situations I was in. I felt like I was one of the uh. Only few guys on my previous teams that could really score, so I feel like my coaches really just had to put me in that position. Um, because if I was just initiating all the time, I me, mean, I don't know, but that's how it was. And just now, just being here with other very talented players around me, I could be able to show that part of my game. And I feel like it, the transition hasn't really been that hard. Just I've been learning a lot. I'm still, I'm still, I still have a lot of room for improvement. Um, and I'm still growing and learning each and every game. So, I mean, I'm still within this process and I'm just enjoying it and just keep trying to grow and keep trying to get better. Hey, Sule, let me take you back to the Providence game. Just a great back and forth Big East game with a lot of points, an overtime game. And mm -hmm. I, I thought you had the two biggest plays of the game. I, I believe it was maybe a switch off and, and you went hard to the rack, uh, both for two really difficult driving layups. Uh, yeah. Those are situations that only uh, not only a talented player, but I think an experienced player can recognize in overtime. Yeah. Uh, how do you think your experience has helped you this year and hopefully can help you right through into the NCAA tournament? I feel like that's really been the best thing for me at this point because I feel like experience is the best teacher. And me being in all playing all my years at UTEP and San Francisco, I, I seen a lot. I learned a lot. I grew a lot um, when it was ups and downs and just just everything. So me coming here, whether I'm whether if I'm doing good, if I'm doing bad, I'm I'm battle tested from all the stuff that I've been through and um, just just having a mental capacity, mental toughness to go out there and make plays, recognizing things and. And just being being in attack mode. Um, so uh and, and especially in that game, my three my three ball wasn't falling. So uh and in in the regulation, I didn't get a good look how I wanted to. So I made an emphasis to try to get to the basket when they were switching and stuff. So I recognized mm -hmm. that and and I took advantage and, and I'm just grateful and glad that we got the W. Very good recognition on that one. All right. <laughs> Final one for you here, Shule. Um the guy on your team that nobody's talking about that everybody should be talking about. We know you've got some great players on this team. Nun Jack Nungy comes to mind, but who's who is somebody that really deserves to get the recognition that maybe not getting it right now that you think? I kind of feel like they are kind of getting it now, but I feel like Jerome and Desmond, mm -hmm. Jerome has really stepped up. He's really been a key part to our team all year. Just his versatility on the defensive end, him making plays in the post, sealing, scoring, just doing everything. I mean, he's really been he's really been a spark plug to our team. And, and Desmond Claw, he's a freshman, but he's he's and I tell him all the time, man. It's like I tell him, like, man, you're gonna be special, you're gonna be good. I don't even think he understands how hard it is being a freshman. I remember when I was a freshman, I just look back on the stuff that I was doing and how what I was doing in the game. I'm like, man, like. <laughs> 
I'm completely different from I was when I was a freshman. So he's only going to get better and, and go up from here. And he's just really been a blessing to our team as well. Coming in, coming in off the bench, really defending, playing hard on on the defensive end, contributing on offense, and knocking. You see, he's getting more comfortable with his three ball. And uh, I tell him all the time, like, be aggressive, look for your shot. I mean, next year you gonna this gonna this gonna be your team. Like you gonna be running, you gonna be running the show. So it, those those two guys for sure. I feel like. Those guys are really doing great stuff for our team, and I feel like the better we do, they're going to keep getting more of the recognition they deserve. Xavier graduate senior Suleboom, who is second in the league in scoring overall, fourth in assists, second in free throws, fifth in shooting the three. He's also second in assist to turnover ratio, so he takes care of that ball when it's in his hands. Who else is hot? The Big East Player of the Week, the weekly honor roll list, and another blast from the past are all next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's hot? This week in the Big East. Who's hot? Still 10 to shoot. Alexander driving inside. The shot off the window and through. He got bumped on the way in by Claude. Fought through the bump and able to lay it off the glass. 62-51. Creighton's lead is 11 again. Jones to inbound. 5.9. Gets into Nunji. Turns. Throws it off. Oh, got it! Newton blow-by on Sean Jones in the paint. Fade away. No. Rebound Klingon. And Klingon kicks it out to Caravan. Three-pointer. Good. And UConn exploding. 22-6. Hopkins has it. Free throw line jumper is up. Off the back iron. No good. Rebound for Boom. One and done for the Friars on that trip. Boom. Stops top of the key. Nunji puts up a 28. Footer. Got it. How about that guy? Seven feet. He pulls up from 25 feet, 26 feet. Nothing but net. He's got 10 of the 22 on the board. My goodness. I don't know if you have an answer for this guy. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. John Rook, Kevin McNamara. Player of the Week this week, Jack Nunji Xavier. Talk about a guy who really figures in in a big way, both on and even off the floor. But 22 points, 8.5 rebounds, 4.5 assists, and almost two blocks per game and a pair of big wins for the Musketeers in the 85-83 overtime win against Providence, 23 points, 12 rebounds. He's been a go-to guy for the Musketeers. Hey, John, and no Zach Fremantle, no problem for Xavier because they have the other Jack, Jack Nunji. Right. And, you know, he's he's been a very consistent player. Talk about improvement. You know, his three-point shot. This guy is, you know, seven foot all day long. He will pull up and crank. Uh, at a moment's notice, whether it's a top of the key, whether it's a fast break, just a great weapon for Sean Miller. I think next to the term in the basketball dictionary, stretch five, mm-hmm. Jack Nungy's picture's there. And again, with Xavier and their balance, you know, with Sule Boom, Colby Jones, uh, hopefully with Zach Fremantle back soon enough. Uh, on the scouting report, you can forget Jack Nungy. That's a major mistake. Big East Freshman of the Week, Alex Caravan Yukon. He made a couple of three-pointers in the final three minutes, the second one coming with 27 seconds remaining and helped the Huskies hold off Georgetown 68-62. to Alex Caravan, Kevin, you said this, I think, a week ago. Definitely a prime candidate for Big East Freshman of the Year. Well, I, I think it's a two-horse race. It's, it's Caravan or it's Cam Whitmore of Villanova. Uh, we can debate who has had the bigger impact, John. I, I'd say Caravan's the more surprising guy because obviously uh Whitmore came in as a McDonald's All-American just a you know potential NBA type right. talent etc if they voted right now i think the coaches may go with Caravan it'll be very interesting to see how that one plays out the rest of the way 
Yeah, I'd agree with that. On the Big East honor roll, Adama Sanogo at UConn uh, averaged 20 points and seven and a half rebounds and shot 67% from the field. Trey Alexander from Creighton, one of my favorite players to watch in the league, had 27 points, three boards, two assists, and a win over Villanova in a perfect week for the Blue Jays. Tyler Kolick Marquette, we mentioned him a few times this year, Kevin, 16 and a half points, seven assists in uh, two wins for Marquette. Noah Locke in Providence finally showing some of that outside shooting prowess that the Friars desperately needed 22 points in that loss at Xavier and Alamir Dawes Seton Hall 16 and a half points four rebounds in the Pirates week all players that certainly I think are going to merit some uh, all Big East consideration before the year is over well no question with Sonogo and Tyler Kolek those are two of the best players in the country Uh, Kolek certainly well he's already been mentioned as a Bob Cousy award candidate I know that the Carl Malone award Candidates have not come out. I can guarantee Adama Sonogo is one of those. And you mentioned Noah Locke. You know, uh, again, one of those guys, maybe like a Jack Nunji, when you do the scouting report to attack the Friars, there's, there's a few guys at the top of the list. Noah Locke may not be there, but you better watch out, or he can knock in six three-pointers like he did in that game at Xavier. The Wayback Machine makes a short trip around the corner this weekend for just a few flips of the calendar to a year ago when an all-timer had an all-time day. I like the screen the top of the zone, Villanova. Gillespie, off-balance jumper. He's got 16 points. When him and Gillespie, or at least one of them, plays really good, the rest of these kids follow. Gillespie down low again, off glass, two more. How good is this? Need to stop here. And it's so hard to not foul these guys. Reeves on Gillespie. Gillespie breaks free for three. Good! It was February 15th, just 2022. Villanova's do-everything guard Colin Gillespie went for a career-best 33 points in an 89-84 win over Providence in Providence. It was the Friars' only loss at home during a Sweet 16 season. Gillespie would soon then become the Big East Player of the Year, the Men's Basketball Scholar Athlete of the Year, and also the Dave Gavitt Trophy winner as most outstanding player in the tournament. You think Villanova would like to have one more year of Colin Gillespie back again, Kev? Hey, Colin Gillespie, winner. Simple as that. He won a ton of games at Villanova. And John, you know, it was funny when Colin's name came across as someone we're going to speak about on the show. I, I went back and, you know, people forget about his MCL injury in his junior year. Right. Or, or else Villanova may have had another Final Four. Colin uh, put the team on his back last year without Justin Moore. J- just an outstanding career. I think he's going to join eventually Jalen Brunson in that Villanova Hall of Fame one day. Well, we know every week you win some and you lose some, right? Well, you wish you could win them all, but you don't. And when you don't win where winning might be expected or when a win is suddenly snatched from the jaws of defeat, as the saying goes, those ups and downs are just an everyday part of this game. How do you cope? How do you plow ahead? Well, we thought we'd get a coach's perspective on that. St. John's Mike Anderson shares his thoughts with us next. This week in the Big East. Coming up next, the Big East Focus. Big East Focus. Inbounds it, and the ball is stolen away by Posh. Ahead of the field, he puts it up and in as Alexander takes the ball away from Eric Hunter, goes coast to coast, and St. John's has a double-figure lead. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. 
You know, it may seem glamorous from time to time, but no one ever said coaching college basketball was an easy profession. In addition to the everyday tasks of teaching and coaching, you've got outside issues always playing a factor. You got recruiting, you have travel, you have the transfer portal, you have the NIL, you have trying to keep everyone happy when you know it's an impossible task. St. John's head coach Mike Anderson joins us this week of the Big East. Mike, first of all, thanks for the time today because I know you're right in the middle of it all. But right now, what would you say is the toughest challenge you face as a head coach? Well, I just think, you know, with all the, the things that you just talked about, you know, the transfer portal, uh, you know, of course, the Big East is a great, great league, a very, very competitive league, great coaches, uh, great teams, great programs. Uh, but I think with, in light with all the new stuff that has come on in the last couple of years, you know, you go through the pandemic, you go through the uh, NIL, you go through the transfer portal, and uh, just, just uh, I think the whole gamut of things. Uh, but at the same time, you know, as a coach, um, it's your profession, you're an educator, and, uh, and I think you keep those things in perspective. And to me, it's all about the student athletes that we serve. Coach Anderson, you've been doing this for a long time with an awful lot of success at various stops in your career. Uh, Coach Beheim from Syracuse had some things to say over the weekend uh, about, you know, the challenges that coaches face. I'm curious when you take a step back and look at, uh, you you know, college basketball today, again, with the transfer portal, uh, with NIL, uh, with recruiting, things have changed so much in the last couple of years. Uh, you own great perspective. Uh, what, what, what's your what's your spin on it? Well, well, well it, it is, and you you look at the the landscape in, in itself, and you look at the different conferences, the different schools. Uh, obviously, in the Big East, we're not a football school. So, with that being said, you know when you look at the revenue that is generated by our particular school, it's, it's not going to be the same as you know, some of the schools that. Uh, uh, to have the resources of, of football, uh, you know, and I think, you know, the way things are going right now, when you talk about the, the NIL, uh, I think it's something that's here. It's, and it's coming at the same time as, you know, you, you get a chance to the transfer portal. And mm-hmm. so it's like a Pandora's box been opened and there are no regulations set at this point in time, you know, and I think, you know, as coaches, we all, for our, our young people, you know, obviously getting an opportunity to, to, to make money. We, we want that to take place. Uh, but there's no uh, there's no boundaries on it right now. So uh, at, at, the, at the same time, it, it's challenging from that standpoint. It's, you're going to have some people that are going to have more than uh, some of the other people. And I think that's probably uh, where the inequitable, uh, you want to call it fairness and things that may take place. And, and let's be honest with it. In some instances, you, know, you, you have the NBA, and now you got maybe now a, a farm league to the NBA. So it sounds to me then like, Coach, you're not surprised to see some coaches just decide really to say the heck with it because this is like, you know, I can imagine this is like an old gunslinger in the old K Corral back in the old West. Right now it's almost duck and cover until you get some kind of law to decide what the regulations are going to be. Am I right about that or am I off base? I, I, I just think, you know, what uh, you go from one extreme to the other extreme. You put all the regulations that were in place and now sudden there, there are nine. So uh, it's, uh, it's different. Uh, coach, a little bit about your team. Uh, so the, the win at UConn 
uh, 85-74 a couple weeks ago. You go from a great high, probably your best win of the season, uh, to a couple close losses. Uh, as you know, again, uh, you've been doing this a long time. Uh, to keep the players coming back, being focused, uh, selling them on how good your team can be, where is your team's mentality here with with five, well, six, I believe, games to, to go down the stretch? You know, I think right now we been in a fragile state and uh, and I think you know uh, that game I thought really uh, gave us the understanding of the things we got to do in order to you know to play and compete in this in this league and, you know UConn's a very very good basketball team and so uh, we just hadn't quite been whole enough to put it all together you know uh, even as we beat UConn and like I said then we have some more a uh, couple of close losses especially at home and, uh, you know our team generally really play well at home uh, that's not been the case, uh, but that's a tribute, I think, to the Big East. But at the same time, I don't think we're playing, you know, uh, at the level that we want to play at because you got to do it for 40 minutes. We've seen it where for a half where we're we're leading, we're playing well, and then in the second half we uh, somehow we, we can't can't finish it. So, uh, but we right now in the stage now we got six games left, and, and we just got to continue to press forward. St. John's Mike Anderson joining us this week in the Big East. We had a chance earlier this year to visit with Joel Soriano, and I think it's pretty clear you would, you know, I'll assume you'll agree here, but one of the more improved players in the Big East Conference this year from a year ago. Where do you feel like his improvement really started? And and where do you feel like his career can go from this point forward? I think Joel is, is no question about it, one of the most improved players, not only in the Big East, but I think in the, in the country. Uh, I mean, he's... Uh, I, I think he started with his confidence last year. You know, last year was his first year here, uh, coming transferring in from Fordham, mm-hmm. and, and I thought you know him just going through the, the first part of the Big East, and uh, he wanted to make sure that he he knew he, he could play in the Big East. And then I think in all season he uh, changed his diet, and got into the strength and conditioning with our strength and conditioning coach, and dedicated himself and. But I thought last year gave him the confidence, and then coming in this year, got his body right, got his mind right. He's a little bit more in tune to what we asked of him, and all of a sudden now things start falling in place for him, playing longer, playing with a little bit more physicalness, and so it's amazing what confidence can do. And then guys feeling comfortable, and I think the players we surround him with, I think, have been instrumental too in his uh, development. He's uh, certainly one of the most uh, improved players in the country. Forget about the Big East. Uh, Coach, I wanted to ask you about Posh Alexander a bit. Men, you know, such a key part of your program now for three years running. Uh, where do you think Posh is? And maybe uh, for someone who runs your team like that, uh, with the transfer portal, with some new key pieces, uh, I know it's February, but it seems as if he's kind of still adjusting to some of those new pieces. Well, I, I just think, you know, Posh is, uh, you know, obviously we know what he brings to the table. He's going to bring a gritness. He's going to bring a toughness. And, and of course, now we're, we're counting on him even more so because he's in that uh, that veteran role, so to speak, uh, you know, looking forward to him to, to being a leader. And I thought here in the last, you know, he's been hurt in and out. He had a bad ankle sprain that, that kept him out for a while and now I think last couple of games he's starting to pick up the traction and so we're going to need him to play at a high level. I think the game is slowed down for uh, trying to take command of you know uh, of a team that brought in some transfers in you know mm-hmm. guys got to get acclimated. Like I said this year's team is different than last year's team and so mm-hmm. they have to find their own path that's what we're still doing trying to find our own path in terms of how we can be a really good team and it's been on display we were 11-1 in non-conference schedule and then obviously 
when you get to the biggies, you know, uh, they know a little bit more about you. You're in the scouting reports. And so uh, the guy that's number one on the scouting report is Posh Alexander. Coach, I got one more for you, and, and I wanted to deal with one of Posh's old teammates in uh, Dylan Adewusu. I, I think he's he's become a favorite of mine to watch because I'm not sure there's any one thing he does particularly well, but he seems to do everything pretty well. And the main thing that I really like watching Dylan play is he's just got gutsiness. He's willing to go out there. Basically, it seems like you do whatever it takes to put his team in position to succeed. I always call those guys, they call kamikaze guys. They're going to yeah. do everything on the floor. And he's a glue guy. He does a lot of different things, plays a lot of different positions, you know, for our basketball team. And I think we're starting to see him uh, really surge and even become a scorer to speak, one of our better three-point shooters. Thanks, St. John's head coach, Mike Anderson. And after that tougher-than-tough loss at Butler Tuesday night this week, the Red Storm returned home to Madison Square Garden to face nationally ranked Providence this weekend. Life in the Big East, as we all know it. As for the national perspective, how are Big East teams shaping up against the competition from other leagues for possible at-large spots in this year's NCAA tournament? NCAA.com and Fox Sports analyst, Andy Katz will provide his own analytical look next, this week in the Big East. Coming up next, the National Perspective. The National Perspective. Gives it back to Alexander in the right corner. Working, feeds it up top. Shot clock down to 13 as Nemhurt will curl around a Kalkbrenner screen. The lob to Kalkbrenner for the two-hand flush, a little pick and roll, and they find the big man, Creighton with a 12-11 lead. Welcome back to This Week in the Big East. The madness gets started in a matter of days. But first, the business of deciding not just tournament berths, but conference championships is well underway. From the looks of things, we got an open book with a chance to write 2023 down as a great story for someone, maybe even someone unexpected. Andy Katz has covered college basketball for more than 30 years, currently writing for NCAA.com broadcasting for Fox Sports and also the Big Ten Network. He joins us this week in the Big East. Andy, I'm going to go past Marquette being a surprise here right now because they have been. But who else within the Big East has exceeded your expectations? Providence for sure uh, because we didn't know. And what we're seeing around the country is that um, all transfers are not created equal. Right. And, you know, I, I – I could I could give you a bunch of examples where it's worked. I can give you examples where it hasn't. And you know, for the last couple of years, Ed Cooley, uh, you have to admit, has been pretty fortunate that he's gotten the right guys. Um, I know you uh, just talked to Suli Boom from Xavier. Mm-hmm. That's a great example of Xavier getting the right guy uh, that fit them at the right time. And so you know, it, it's a bit of a crapshoot. And so I would say. The fact that Providence uh, is right in the thick of this race with Marquette, clearly, I think the two biggest surprises within the Big East. Yeah, you know, Andy, I wanted to ask you, and you can bounce around to the other leagues because the top of the Big East is certainly very competitive. They're starting to beat each other. That wasn't the case earlier. We'll see how many can scratch out road wins. But boy, how do you make sense of these leagues? How will the NCAA go about? seeding these leagues that do seem so equal and i would certainly jump in with with the big 12 and the big 10 as well as the big east the very top you just flip a coin some nights yeah i mean it's really going to be crazy and 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 i think we're going to have a situation on selection sunday you know i'm sure people will chirp a little bit about seeding but i don't think it's going to matter and i think that 
outside of you know the the ones, if you will, there really aren't going to be any real upsets. You know, we'll determine, I guess, tactically, does Vegas deem it an upset? Does the seeding? But I mean, think about it. If you have potentially, uh, let's take Maryland in the Big Ten, a team that is rising, uh, but the record may not be great overall. So maybe they're in that anywhere from six to 10 range uh, against a Creighton, okay, who good early, struggled in the middle and they had injuries, is now playing well again. You know, how high are they going to be? So let's say you get a Creighton-Maryland matchup in a 7-10, 10 beats the 7. You know, technically that's a seeding upset, but they're really equal. And I think we're going to see a lot of games like that between teams from the Big Ten, the Big 12, the Big East, uh, to some extent, maybe the top of the ACC. I, I actually would say, though, the Big East, the Big Ten, the Big 12, I think those three – those three leagues middle is better than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, top of the Pac-12, certainly with UCLA and Arizona. Top of the SEC with Alabama and Tennessee. But the middles of those leagues, I don't think are up to the same level as those other three. And the ACC, to me, is just all a mishmash. And I don't think there's an elite team. And I think they're all basically very average this year. Uh, to, to your point, Andy, you know, you watch the Big Ten very closely. I, you know, uh, who would you rather play, Illinois or Indiana, if you're, you know, Providence or or Marquette? I have no idea. I, I mean, they look and, and and play, you know, results-wise, almost exactly the same. And may, maybe that, that'll shake out between I, now. I would say, let me, in, yeah. let me interrupt you there. I agree with you with pretty much every Big Ten team outside of Purdue and Indiana. I just got – I just saw Indiana again in person in Bloomington. They've got, I think, legitimately two pros in Trace Jackson Davis and Jalen Hood Shafino, two guys that can, can take over a game. Purdue obviously has that with Zach Eady because he's a unicorn in terms of we don't see that in the college game right now. But after that, obviously Bryce Hopkins, for example, in Providence, he's had his moments. You know, we don't know if he's a surefire lock, you know, first-round pick and all that. There are a lot of teams that have guys like Bryce Hopkins that have had moments, and Illinois is like that, and Maryland's like that. And Michigan State's like that. Uh, Rutgers is like that. But there's only a few teams, Alabama with Brandon Miller. Otherwise, there's just a lot of good teams, a very competitive late possession type tournament. Andy, what was your impressions? Andy Katz joining us here this week of the Big East. What were your impressions when you heard Greg Sankey, the SEC, talk about expanding this tournament earlier this year? And did you initially think he had a, you know some merit? Or is that something you'd rather not see touched? Well, so I think there was a little bit of a, you know, like that that obviously has the headline grab. But from my understanding and being at the convention in January, the thrust of that legislation was for all the other sports, not men's basketball and to some extent not women's basketball for a couple of reasons. One, one, Stanky's coming at it more from baseball. You remember Ole Miss was the last team in and then I think they won it. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there was mu- much more of a push with baseball that they need to expand the field. And so you can't sort of just one-off it. So it's any sport that has over 200 teams participating to expand it, you know, uh, uh, to I think it was 25% of the overall, you know, field, uh, uh, participation. Because here's the problem with the tur- men's tournament. First of all, it's the only tournament that's really tied to a television contract. 
Um, you know, the, the other sports, they're up coming up next year with their ESPN deal, and they're not tied to that. Whereas the Turner CBS deal, which goes to 2032, they don't have to open it up. And so if, if the NCAA decided, oh, we're going to now expand it to 72, 96, whatever, um, the money stays the same, or, or it certainly can stay the same. So now there's less shares per school. And my understanding in talking to the committee, there's no appetite for that right now. There's no appetite to expand it. If anything, at the bare minimum, you're talking about maybe adding four more so that you could just add a couple more games in Dayton. So it's, you're not messing with the schedule. And you, you, all, you, you guys know, everyone likes everything on one piece of paper. To have that bracket on one piece of paper. And if yeah. you expand it beyond four, you can't do it on one piece of paper. You know, you could still have just, you know, two more games at the top. And so I, I just don't see there's an appetite for it. And then the last thing to that point, you know, we just talked about there's a lot of parity. There's also a lot of mediocrity on the back part of the bubble. And uh, not to pick on Syracuse as an example, because they're always on the bubble and they are you know, throwing daggers everywhere right now. But look, they're a very average team. Like it's the Syracuses of the world. You're saying, oh, they should be in the tournament. Eh, I don't know. You know, I mean, um, that doesn't move the needle to have the, the mediocre teams getting in as well. Awesome, Andy. NCAA.com and Fox College Hoop reporter and analyst Andy Katz, who will undoubtedly be one of the busiest reporters in America covering this sport over the next six weeks or so. Who's got next? The big games on the schedule. Where the road ahead leads us. Yeah, we're going there next. This week in the Big East. Coming up, who's got next? This week in the Big East. Who's got next? This week in the Big East. Newton to the front court, top of the key. Gives it up to Nahima Lane for a jumper. That's good. Another triple. 17 to 4. And Shaka Smart has got to put an end to this. This crowd, 15,000 strong on their feet. John Rook, Kevin McNamara, this week in the Big East on the schedule. For this weekend, it's a loaded slate. For Saturday, Providence will play at Madison Square Garden against St. John's. Marquette will play at Georgetown. You've got Seton Hall taking on Villanova in Philadelphia. And, yep, there's UConn at Creighton. Could be considered, I think, on the Saturday afternoon, a, a marquee matchup, no? Oh, hey, John, if you have nothing to do, well, I know you have something to do, but <laughs> if you have nothing to do Saturday, just turn on Fox. You get Providence at St. John's. Don't write off St. John's in that one at the right, Garden. Right. And then UConn at Creighton. There's not a better game in the country that day. Yeah, so dynamite way to get it started on Saturday. And then we've got games on Tuesday next week that are really kind of emphasizing the slate here. Uh, Creighton will be at Providence. So here's one of those instances where one of the top four has to travel onto the road to try to get a road win, and Creighton being the hot hand going into the weekend, Kev, that one's got special written all over it. Well, John, I know where you'll be for Valentine's Day, and uh, yep. y your lovely Robin won't be sitting alongside. Instead, you'll have Joe Hassett. Uh, <laughs> however, there's so many Providence fans who have reached out to me who say, well, their Valentine's Day will be celebrated Monday or Wednesday because uh, when Creighton comes into town on Tuesday night, uh, let's just say it's going to be a tough ticket. Right. Uh, Tuesday also will have a Georgetown at Seton Hall, Butler playing at Villanova, and St. John's at DePaul. Wednesday, you want another marquee matchup, Kev? How about Xavier at Marquette? So, again, yeah. two of the top four in the league, one of those road teams somewhere, whether it's Creighton at Providence or Xavier at Marquette, 
here's a chance to uh, crack through and see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, John, this is the second matchup. This game could decide the regular season championship in the Big East. It's it's that big, and those two teams are that special. Needless to say, it's one of those games where Marquette needs to protect its home court because everyone else has so far this season. Oh, yeah, that's what it's all about. That's how we began the show. Good way to end the show today. It's all about protecting the home court and see if you can't sneak one away on the road. Our thanks to Xavier Sule Boom, St. John's Mike Anderson, and NCAA and Fox reporter and analyst Andy Katz for joining us. Thanks to our flagship radio stations for all of the calls you hear on the show. Thanks to Learfield, to ESPN, to Fox for their assistance with their use. Thanks to producer Kevin Collins. Thanks as well to executive producers John Paquette, Scott Hecht, Kevin Ivany at the Big East. And thank you to the coaches and administrators at all 11 Big East member institutions for making themselves available to us and therefore to you. For Kevin McNamara, I'm John Rook. Find us on Twitter at JRBroadcaster at Kevin McNamara 33. Reach out to us on Twitter. Use the hashtag TWITBE. Twit me with your questions. We'll be back same time next week for This Week in the Big East. Thanks for listening to This Week in the Big East. Special thanks to our member schools as well as their athletic departments. This Week in the Big East is produced by Kevin Collins. Be sure to join us next week for the latest edition of This Week in the Big East.